but I just, man, for me, when, we, when we're there, we're just the church is being the church and just praising and singing out to Jesus who deserves all honor and glory. Man, I, uh, I'm going to take a lap one day, dude. I'm just going to go. And whoever wants to come, come on. We'll have fun and just worship Jesus. I just, I just love it. Gosh, to hear the church. Man, man, to cry out to God that way, to just let your praises, praises go and sing back to him the value of his worth to you. Ah, oh, just that, that, that'll get me, that tears me up. Anyways, um, all right. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Titus chapter 2 is where we'll be. Um, we're, we're starting our uh, Christmas series the next, next four weeks um, or three weeks after this. Uh, we'll just continue to walk through this Advent season and, and look at different, uh, different things as it pertains to uh, just what this time of year means, what, what we're celebrating, and it'll, it'll help draw us back and remind us. And so <clears throat> right out of the gate this morning, this is, this is where we're headed. This is what we're going to look at. This is what we're going to ask God to do and accomplish in us. We're just going to look at how the birth of Jesus uh, points to where real hope is found. Uh, so Jesus being born uh, points to hope, reminds us, shows us, lets us know where our hope is found. And then from there, uh, we're going to see the purpose of that hope. Uh, we'll be able to walk out and see through, through this scripture um, uh, the purpose, why that hope is there, what we're to do with it, how it should affect us, and what it should do in uh, so I'm going to ask you to join me one more time as we pray and we just ask God to just move and work and speak to our hearts and shape us and form us. So, so, so join me as we pray. Father, again, thank you so much for this precious time this morning. Uh, God, the time that's already been had in your presence. Father, we just want to linger here longer. God, we just want to ask you just to move and work and do as you see fit. Father, I, I beg of you, I beg of you to move and work in the hearts and Father, my cry is for you to start with me. Oh God, that you would shape me and mold me all the more into the image of your Son. And that you would transform me. God, that as we look at this word this morning, that it would accomplish in me, that it would accomplish in us, that it would accomplish in your church that very purpose that you've set out for it. So God, may you receive all glory, all honor. We thank you. We praise you so much. For this time of year that draws us back and reminds us, reminds us of so much, but mostly of who you are and what you've accomplished and done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, so this morning what we're going to talk about is hope, and uh, the opposite of hope is what hopelessness. Any, anyone ever feel hopeless? Has anyone ever felt, it's okay, we're in church, I know it's hard to be honest, but yeah, okay, good, me too. I've, I've felt that. And so as I, it's, it's a horrible, horrible feeling, isn't it? It's awful to feel hopeless, whether it's just kind of in that moment or if it's kind of been a season or, or, or whatever the case is. It's just a horrible feeling to be in a situation or place where there appears to be very to little no hope, no, no way out, no, no rescue, no way to, uh, uh, to be done with whatever it is. And so as I was studying and praying this week, I just uh, had time to kind of reflect a little bit. And I don't know why God does this to kind of illustrate things, but um, he reminded me of whenever I was in elementary school which really shouldn't be a very hopeless time for an, an elementary school kid, right? I mean, it should be, I mean, you're a kid, what, what's, what's the, but, but I can remember um, me being the curious boy that I was, um, and, and the thing about, like, elementary school boys is that their minds are constantly racing there. Um, there's just, there's a whole world out there we want to explore, and there's certain things that kind of just, like, draw us in, and so for me, um, and I see it in my boys, maybe it's every boy, um, but there is this, like, longing and desire to have just, like, a fort, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like we want to build stuff. 
we want to create and make, and we want it to be cool and awesome. And so I'm sitting in my bedroom uh, one afternoon, and I have this idea. It's fort time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm doing this thing, but I don't know how I'm going to do it because I don't have anything to build it with. But there's a closet in my bedroom. And I'm like, yeah. So what do I do? I do what every elementary school boy that needs a fort needs, not once, but needs a fort would do. And so I begin to like just stuff out, and I'm sure I put it in a nice neat pile for mom, but I got everything out of my closet in my bedroom, and I'm like, okay, this is a start, this is good. And, and you know, I mean, a bedroom closet isn't but like this, but that's big enough, you know? Like that's perfect, that's the size that I need. And so I start to create and make and build and do, and, and, and there is uh, my nightstand. Every good fort needs a table of some sort, so I pull that thing in there, and I throw it in the closet. And I'm like, okay, well, th this is cool, but like, it's not anything to write home about, or like, I'm not going to show my friends this fort quite yet. I I've got to do something even better. So there's a TV. And like, we didn't have like the cool TVs that were like this big, and you could just like pick up and throw like a Frisbee. I mean, like, like it was like the old school TVs that was like this deep. You know, like the, the glass on the TV, you could drop it from the Empire State Building, and it doesn't break. Everything else in the TV goes, but the, the glass is. So I, I get it, and I finally work it over there. Yes, okay, we're com but, but there's no cable or there's no anything like that in the closet on the TV. And we, we lived in the hills of West Virginia, so we didn't even get like the, the, the like Channel 4 news. And so I'm like, okay, VCR. For those of you that don't know what a VCR is, this was, isn't it sad that it's kind of like dating ourselves like that? What, VC Mom, what's a VCR? Uh, VCR is like a, a, a janky uh, DVD Blu-ray player that you can't skip. You have to, like, literally sit there and watch it. Like, be kind, rewind. Thank you, Blockbuster. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't rewind, you get charged the extra fee. Even though they had, like, the little devices, you could just throw it in, and it would be done in, like, two, two seconds. But still. Um, so, 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 VCR. Oh, yeah. Now I have created. And I've got, like, there's some posters I took off the wall, and I put in the main, the main fort cave. And I'm like, yes. But it's not cool unless somebody else knows about it, Right? Somebody else sees it. Somebody else partakes and enjoys with you. And so what do I do? I get my sister, who is a little bit younger than me. And I'm like, hey, sis, come here. Check this out. Look what I, She's like, what is it? I said, you can't tell. I mean, that, that's a fort. It's like, it's like a, a man fort cave thing. It's awesome. Not I said, it is. Look, TV, VCR. I said, hey, hang on just a second. I'll be right back. So I run, and, I, and mom's on the phone. I'm like, mom, I've, I've made a fort. And she's like, oh, so probably like she does most of the time. Well, yeah. I said, no, really, I, I said, I want you, we're going to be in the fort. So when dad gets here, because like, I want to show, show off my creation to dad, right? Like this, I thought it was pretty cool, pretty nifty. I want dad to see this. And so dad, he was about an hour and a half out from being off work and getting home. And, and so um, good fort with a good TV and a VCR player. We got to fire that thing up. And so I don't know why, but, but in my bedroom, going into the closet, the door had a lock on it. See where I'm headed? And I don't know why it crossed my mind, but when we go into the fort to watch the movie, let's lock ourselves in. Now, I didn't tell my sister this. I would not do that. That would be a dumb idea to tell her because she'd probably talk me out of it. So I lock it. We go in. We start the movie. The thing you've got to understand about those TVs, as, as awesome and as great as they were, no high def. Nothing. It was color TV, so no high def. No. So th those things produce heat. Like you could almost heat your house with those. You know what I'm talking about? And so we're in like a little enclosed space watching a movie, and five minutes in, it's like, dang, did, did, did you bring, where's the fans in this fort? I forgot to install those. That's next week. We add those next week. 
And so we continue to watch a little bit, and she's like, we can't do this anymore. And I'm like, you're right, okay, let me, let's just, she's like, crack the door. I'm like, good idea. So I grab the handle, and it's locked. And so, like, I'm shaking it, I'm like, uh, it's locked. And you know how it is, like, in the moment like that, you're with your younger sister. I'm in elementary school, so that means she's younger than me in younger elementary school. And it's like, what are we going to do? Like, we're stuck now. That's okay, mom's, mom's in the living room. So we begin to knock. Mom. And it gets louder and louder, and the knocks get harder. And, the and, and like, desperate, like, we're going to die, y'all. Like, this is, this is horrific. It is hot now. And I don't know why it never dawned on me. Just turn the thing off. But then I'd be sitting in a dark closet with my sister. That would be weird. And so I'm like, it's like, hurry, get, get down low and we can scream down here. I mean, you know, like the little gap at the bottom. I'm like, let's scream and we can breathe in cold air and we'll, we'll make it a little bit longer. And so we're doing that. And we're screaming and we're pounding and we're like, and you know how like whenever you're in those moments of hopelessness or something like that, a situation, like, like the adrenaline just starts rushing and pumping. And like, I'm like, says, I, will, I, will, I will save us and I will knock this door down. The problem is I'm an elementary school kid that can't knock a door down. And so finally, mom comes in, and she's like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, mom, I told you. Remember, it's going to be cool. Dad was going to, oh, but I, 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 just, I, I thought of that. I thought of that. It's over. I'm not going to make it. And the reason why I felt hopeless is because there seemed like there, there was no end to this. There was no hope to be found. It wasn't going to turn out good for me and my sister. It's going to be over. And so as I thought about this morning, as I thought about this thought of hope, I mean, can, can you sense that even in our world? Kind of like people kind of under that pressure in that place of life, where there appears not to be much hope, not to be much promise. I mean, is that, is that not our world? It's like they're locked in that closet and they just can't break out. They can't figure it out. They can't work it out. And so hope, hope is present today, church, because we live in a fallen world that lacks true hope. They don't understand what real hope is or where real hope comes from. And so I thought it would be beneficial for us this morning to, to define hope. So, so this is Webster's Dictionary of Hope. This is, this is what hope is. Hope is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. It's a desire accompanied by expectation. A feeling that what, what, what I want is it's going to happen, or a desire, I've got this desire, this longing, uh, that it's, a, it's accompanied by an expectation of, of this is what, what will take place. And, and as I look at this, and as I think about this, and especially as I compare it to, to, to the scriptures and, and, and the things that God has said, I just, I just feel like this is a horrific definition of hope. It's even, in a, even from a worldly sense, this is just awful. And this is why I feel like it's a horrific Terrific uh, definition of hope, because if you look at it, my, my two reasons is this. The first part of that definition is, is a feeling. A feeling is what it is. And then the second part of that definition there, it says it's a desire. And so the reality connected to this definition of hope is based what? It's based mainly on uh, someone's emotions and wants and has nothing to do with reality of truth. It's based on what I feel or what, I'm, uh, uh, what, what, what I desire, what, what I long for. It's based on what makes someone happy and satisfies them in the moment. And, and hope can never be based on our feelings or our desires or on man. It, it's got to be based on something greater than that because... We are the problem. Man is the problem. Our desires is the problem. They're, uh, they're wicked. They're, <clears throat> they're, they're anti 
Christ. Uh, that's the issue. And so a better definition of what hope and what we're going to talk about this morning and look at this morning, the biblical definition of hope is an expectation and a certainty based on the promise of God. You see the difference between desire, feelings? It's an expectation and certainty. This will happen. This is going to happen. What Based on what? The promise of God. It's not based on those feelings and desires that we have or positive thoughts or just good hopes or vibes. It's based on a promise from God, the creator of the universe. And what I've learned and what I've seen and what I've read from Scripture is that when he makes a promise or he states something or he does something, he always comes through. He always follows through. He doesn't just flippantly talk. He doesn't just flippantly say things. He's the only one that could ever truly, honestly, rightly make a promise and keep it and fulfill it. We can't do that. We're unable to do that. Why? Because we're bound by certain things in our world, but God's not, right? He's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. He's, he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's, he's, he's uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere. So, so when you're not bound by time, you're not bound by circumstances or situations, you're not bound by space, when you say something, when you've created something, when you have that power and it listens when you speak, you can make a promise and keep it. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to walk through Titus chapter 2 here. We'll start in verse 11. And just really see why this season is a reminder for us from where hope comes from. That this season is a great reminder for us of where our hope is found. So where our hope is found is this. It's found in the appearing of the grace of God in the person of Jesus. That's where hope is found. Look, look at verse 11. This is, this is what it says. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, doing what? Bringing salvation for all people. So, so this verse, what it does is it points us to the reason of the season. It points us and it shows us why we celebrate Christmas. It reminds us of where our hope is found. Our hope is found in what? The appearing of the grace of God. That's where it's found. The grace of God has appeared is what, is what uh, Paul reminds um, uh, Titus here. This hope is rooted what? In the promise that God had made years and years and years ago. That he would bear a son, that he would bring him forth. And that son would be a sacrifice of all sacrifices. That's where our hope is found, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And to have that work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he has to be born. He has to come. He, he has to be there. So this hope has appeared in the hopelessness of our world and has made a way where there appears to be no way. John, John 1.14 even tells us that. It, 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 it sheds light on it even more. And the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is our hope. So we live in a world in a day that's beat down and appears not to have much hope. We live in a day and a time that is just wore out, frustrated, anxious about everything. And the sad reasoning is because this hope is not a reality for everyone. This, the hope that they cling to, the world clings to, is feelings or emotions or, uh, or wishful thinking or just trying or, or it'll have to work out. But it's because this type of hope that we're talking about now, that we see now, not everyone has. Not everyone has, has believed in. Not everyone has come uh, to faith in. Look, that's what he says there at the end of 11, bringing salvation what, for all people. 
And this isn't, this isn't universal salvation. This isn't universalism here, that if you just uh, try to be halfway good or halfway decent or just, just, just try however, whatever trying means, then you'll be okay. And at the end, there's like this back door. He'll kind of sneak you in or, uh, or he'll take you out back, kind of like, like dust you off a little bit. And like, like, th- that's not what this verse means. That's not what the end, this little tag means. See, all people here uh, tr- is translated to refer to humanity in general. Humanity in general, as, as a category, not every single individual ever born, ever pers- every person ever. That, that's not what he's talking about. People in general. And so Jesus being born, living a perfect life, dying a sacrificial death, is sufficient to cover every sin of everyone who believes. That's what's being said here. That's what's being taught here. And we know that not everyone believes in Jesus. We know that not everyone submits to and follows and has put their faith in. Not everyone has been uh, born again or come to life in Jesus. They they haven't went all in on him being their hope, him being their everything. Instead, they they go the other way, kind of what we talked about, feeling or wishful thinking or selfish desires, being good, working hard, whatever it is. But not in the babe that took on flesh and blood. And was born in a lonely manger. Not everybody's hope is found in Jesus. Not everybody looks that way when it, it's good or bad. And so one of the things that I just I love about this season, one of the things as I, as I was thinking and preparing and praying this week and just looking at one, uh, some of the things that, that I just, just really love about the season is the sensitivity that's in our world. It's like, it's like there's this, this, this awareness and sensitivity to the time and to the season and, and what's, what's happening, no matter how lost or how uh, whatever. It's just kind of, it's Christmas. Christmas just kind of makes everybody happy. You, you throw lights on your house and people get excited. You put a tree up and it just like, it calms nerves. It, it slows down some anxiety maybe. It's just, it's just a, people are very sensitive and just kind of aware of the season. And you know December's starting. And you're going to have some time off from work. You're going to uh, get some presents. You're going to have uh, uh, some time with people you love and care for. Uh, another thing about this season that I really love is, is the openness. P- people are a little bit more open to, to listening or to conversing or to hearing. They're not as shut off again. I mean, it, it's, it's Christmas. It's Christmas everybody's kind of happy at Christmas. They're open and they will tolerate you a little more. They will uh, go along with it a little bit more, whatever the case is. And so as I was thinking about that and I was thinking about this thought of hope, church, what I would tell us is this, is that, that hearts are searching. Hearts are searching. And we have the great opportunity to engage. We know where real hope comes from. We have experienced, hopefully experienced, real hope. And so we have the privilege to engage this world that has no hope with a true hope, the gospel hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's what this season's about. Not, not the presence under the tree, not the jolly guy that comes down the chimney, but, but, but the season is about the gospel hope, the hope of Jesus Christ being, being born and, 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 and coming for us. And so one of the things that we always, we always want to do is we want to make it as easy as possible for us to take that hope to the world, for us to make that hope known to the world. And, and so I just want to point our attention real quick. As, as you know, this season, this time makes people a little bit more open. It makes people a little bit more aware of. It makes people kind of uh, not as defensive. And so some great opportunities for us man, to share that hope. 
through relationship. I mean, I mean, the, the prime timers, this Thursday night, 8 o'clock here. I mean, not 8 o'clock, Thursday night, the 8th. 6 o'clock here, fellowship hall. We're, ha- we're having a meal. The prime timers is our uh, uh, senior ministry that, that's open to anyone who ever wants to come. And they're going to have a meal. They're going to have their Christmas celebration. They're going to get together and they're just going to fellowship. And they're going to talk. They're going to enjoy time with each other. And, and so there's, there's a great opportunity to invite. I mean, I mean who, who, doesn't, who doesn't eat dinner on Thursday nights? Right? Everybody's dinner on Thursday. Well, you know what? I, I know where there, there's a free meal this week. I, I know where there's a place that you can come and hang out with me. I mean, it's so easy just to invite someone and bring them with you and get them here. And then, then even what about the 10th? The 10th is Polar Express night. Polar, Polar Express is just a great time where our after-school ministry and our children's ministry is kind of coming together to, uh, to put on this event for the community for, for, uh, to, to reach kids, to reach families. They, they, they want it to be one of those things where, where parents can go shop if they need to for Christmas presents and get some time off or maybe just a date night, just a, a break from your kids, whatever it may be. And they're just going to love on the kids. They're going to watch Polar Express. There's going to be a big jolly guy here, I hear. And they're also going to share Jesus and love on these kids. And so there's a great opportunity to invite neighbors, to invite people to. However, and, and the thing I love, the thing I love about, about these, these two things here, and even the 11, I'll get, I'll get to you. The thing I love about these first three things on this screen is that they're not those in your face, like up in your business type it's just a very laid-back, nonchalant, but intentional time where we can just get to know people and hang out with people. We can fellowship with people. So then, then the 11th, what we're doing is we're having New Life Christmas. This is a, this is a new thing that we're, we're doing, and it's a community outreach. So, so out front in our parking lot, we're going to block off an area, and what we're going to have lights, we're going to have fire pits, we're going to have uh, 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 food trucks, we're going to have some bounce houses, we're going to have um, hot chocolate. That's for me. I don't do coffee. Hot chocolate bar. We're going to have a coffee bar, too, for you adults in the room. But, but we're, we're, going to, we're going to have those there where people can come and just hang out. We're going to have Christmas carols going. We're going to sing some. We're going to hear of the Christmas story. We're just, we're just going to make it a, a great night of just fellowship and hanging out in our parking lot and just of, uh, of just enjoying and hopefully the community. Hopefully we can invite people, bring people with us. Come, hang out, be here. Man, it's just going to be a great night just to fellowship and be together and just be reminded again yet once more. No sermon, no gimmicky type thing. We just want to get to know you because sometimes before we can share of that hope, we've got to know people. We've got to spend time with people. We've got we to be around them and get to know them and hear their story and know what's going on. And so a very non-abrasive way to invite some people to come and hang out. And then kind of a little bit even more intentional, we've got the 18th, our kids program that will be happening in here. And then our, our worship celebration for Christmas. I mean, there's, there's opportunities this season for us to share that hope that we have. For us to take that hope. And we've even got it in the bulletin. I mean, we've got little cards here you can, you can tear in half and you can hand out, invite people to remind them, to show them, to share with them. Bring them with you. Whatever you have to do. Great opportunities there just to invite and get to know and to share with people. Which brings us to the second point this morning is the aim or purpose of our hope in Christ. But what we'll see here is as, as, as Paul writes this letter to Tim, or not Timothy, but to Titus, he, he's going to share with him this right here is the, the, the purpose of that hope. The purpose is this, one, it, it's training us to renounce. So what happens is we're, we're saved, we come to life in Christ, and then there's this working by the Holy Spirit to transform us, to shape us, to mold us, to change us, our desires and our longings. 
And so what, what Paul's doing here is he's describing that to Titus as a, as a training, as a pressing, as a, a shaping him, as, a, as, a, as an act of doing something. And the doing something here is to renounce. Renounce. What is renounce? Renounce means to declare one's abandonment of. So salvation is found, our hope is found in Christ and Christ alone, in faith in him. And then when that happens, the, the Holy Spirit begins to work and do stuff in us where, where, where we get to see the purpose of this hope. Why, why is this, what does this hope do in us? How does it, how does it work in us? It, it, it gets us, it trains us to renounce, to declare our abandonment, our abandonment to what? To the world, to the things of this world, to, to anything and everything that's anti-God. We're going to see that here in a minute. That's why I love baptism so much. That's why I love when we come together as a church and we get to celebrate baptism. Because what is baptism? Baptism is one of the first acts of obedience in Christ. Baptism is is me saying, yes, I belong to Jesus. Baptism is an identifier. It's it's me identifying that that, that Christ has done a work in me and has drawn me, has saved me. Now I identify and I'm connected to who Jesus Christ is. What it does is it's this, it's it's me renouncing, I'm declaring that I belong to Jesus. That I'm no longer mine, I no longer belong to this world, that I'm his. And then look look at what we abandoned as I kind of made mention to. So, So training us to renounce what? Ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what we renounce. That's what we abandon. That's what we declare that we're no longer a part of. And we do it by the way that we talk, and we do it by the way that we live. So so ungodliness and worldly passions here refers to anything and everything other than God and his standard of holiness. Man, man, I've I've renounced it. I am a new man. I'm a new creature. Creation is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. Man, I'm being made new. I'm being uh, shaped and formed and molded. And so salvation, what it does, it brings with it this declaring and abandoning of anything and all things of this world. A dying to self. Ungodliness, not godly. Worldly passions. The the, the flesh is in a a, a battle against the spirit. And so what's happened is I've renounced. I've declared war against. And that's what salvation does. It's a moving away from and a moving toward is what it is. Look, look, look as he goes on. And so, so we move away from ungodliness, from worldly passions. I renounce that. No, that's not me. I'm not of this world. I, I, I've abandoned that. I've been made new. And then this is what happens is, is in, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's a moving toward Jesus. It's living out him and his standard in this world. We declare and we do. We declare and we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we say it. The, the world needs to hear it. It needs to know that our hope is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And no, I don't do those things or I, I don't act that way or I don't talk that way or I don't respond that way or I don't partake in that. And, and not as a judgment. I mean, the world's going to feel judged, but we're not doing it to judge. We're just doing it because th- there's been a higher standard. I've been purchased. I'm not going to cheapen salvation. I'm not going to cheapen the grace that I've come to know and been made aware of and alive to. So, so I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share it. And if the world feels whatever, the world feels whatever. Well, like, like that's the thing. Like, I, I like to play golf. And so sometimes on vacation when I'm golfing, it's usually four holes in. And then that kind of conversation comes up. So what do you do? I'm like, oh, yes. Because holes one through four, they're not very good golfers. And some of the words that they say, I've never even heard. I'm going to need a rendering of that, please. 
Can you use it in, no, you've just used it in a sentence. Never mind. And so that's all, like, like the moment that that happens, they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I just, I, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor of a church. Oh. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm usually a religious man, and I am so, you don't have to apologize to me, man. I don't have the power to send your, your soul to hell. Eternal damnation and judgment. I, I don't do that. I'm like, dude, you, you be real and you be you. I just don't talk that way, not because I'm a pastor. Trust me, there are times that I want to talk that way, but I restrain, man. Why? Because I've been purchased. I've been redeemed. There's a different standard for me to live by. And if that standard makes you uncomfortable, makes you feel away, I'm, I'm sorry and I hate that, but, but, but this is the standard that the creator of the universe has felt. And you don't, you don't have to apologize to me. It doesn't offend me, upset me that you used his name like that and you said, what about him? You do you, but I just want you to know that there's a better way to do that. There's a hopeful way of doing that. And it's doing what Paul tells Titus here. Look at that again right there in verse 12. And to live what? Self-controlled. Self-controlled means restraining passions. It means restraining passions. It means not giving in and acting and going out and going toward and doing what your flesh feels like in that moment. And let's just be honest. Like we all get fleshy sometimes, don't we? We all get emotional in the moment. We all uh, feel certain ways. We all want to say certain things. We, I mean, we all get mad at times. And, and I'm just here to tell you, there's times that I give in to that. And don't look at me like that. You do too. Your kids pray, give the prayer request in the back. We know what you do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you know what I do because I've got a Bennett that is very creative in what we do. Um... There's sometimes we give in. There's sometimes we fail. And you know what happens for the child of God when that happens? When we, when we don't live self-controlled lives and we do give in to the, to the longings and the desires of the flesh in this world, you know what happens? Uh, we let God convict us and the Holy Spirit draws back. He, he's a good, that's, what this, that's where hope, that's where hope comes in, right? Yeah, you've messed up. You know what? You don't just get one chance. For, for those of us in him, we, we get an unlimited number of chances. And, and that's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's a, God, thank you for that. Because this is what should happen to me. This is what I deserve. This is what you should do. I don't put up with it in my life. But he puts up with it in ours, with us, for us. And so whenever that happens and I'm not self-controlled and I don't restrain my passions and I give in, I feel that conviction. I repent. I make right whatever I've wronged and I continue to follow and press in and go after him again. So live self-controlled lives. So live upright Lives. Upright means just above reproach. It means righteous, holy, set apart, different, upright. And it ties into to, to, to godly here. Like that of Christ. That's the life that we live, submitting and living out what he says in his word. That's the standard by which we try to live, that we press toward. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can. And there's times we're going to blow it and mess up and react in ways that don't show these. In church, this week, talking to someone and just having a good conversation, they, they just shared with some of their family about how their biggest problem with the church is hypocrites. And I said, you know what, mine too. Mine too. And, and you know why I know that? It's because the guy standing here is a hypocrite. There are ways that I've acted, things that I've said that are contrary to what I believe and I would never want to do. And so we own it and we walk toward 
And so I guess the question I would ask here is this, these words that, 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 that Paul describes to Titus here, this renouncing, this living, self-controlled, upright God's life, are those words that people would use to describe you? Because as Christians who have partaken and seen the blessed hope that this world has experienced through the birth of Jesus Christ, that's what we should be pressing, pressing toward. Being self-controlled, restraining passions, being above reproach, righteous, submitting to and living out what Christ was like. And we see this purpose expressed even further here in verse 14. It says this, who gave himself for us. That's the Christmas story, him, him coming. He gave himself for us, born as a lowly babe in a manger. He gave himself for us, what? To redeem us, that's rescue, to pay a price for us from what lawlessness, not just lost all unlawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I don't know how you describe hope, but man, that think about that. He gave himself for us. He redeemed. He, he bought us back. He purchased us. He made right what we can't make right. Not just a little bit of our messed upness, sinfulness, wickedness, but, but all lawlessness, he says. And what does he do? He doesn't just stop there, but he purifies. Now he's working in us to, to, to purify us, to make us a, a holier, to, to make us a, a changed into the image of his son. Why? For himself, what a people. For his own possession. We belong to him. We, we're his you can't take what's his. And then I love it for who are zealous for good works. Good works, what is that? It's, it's any act or deed that a believer does that points to and gives honor and glory to God. Man, man, we are people of good works. Our good works don't save us. Our good works just points to the fact that we are saved and been redeemed. I mean, I mean we should be good workers everywhere. Good, doing, out, doing good works and serving and, and giving of our life. And maybe a question I'll ask here, are you zealous? Are you passionate about doing good works? Are you passionate about doing good deeds? Because from what I see in Scripture, what I read and know about the church is that we should be passionate about doing good in our world. We should be very, very serious. We should be the most goodest doers in the whole world, and that's horrible English. But we should be the best, the most goodest doers in the whole world. Man, we should serve like nobody else serves. We should show mercy like nobody else shows mercy. We should give to like nobody else gives to. We should care for like nobody else cares for. We should sacrifice no matter the cost like nobody else sacrifices. Why? Because the greatest sacrifice has been given to us. That's what we see with the manger, with Jesus coming, God in the flesh coming. So we should be doing good works for his glory, for his great name. Would you, would you be described like this? And so-and-so, good lands, they believe some crazy stuff, but, but they're just always out doing good. Doing good. I mean, even here, like, I, I, this Jesus thing, yeah, whatever, but uh, he's going to leave me alone. Like, he takes me out to lunch and he buys. He, he comes over and, and hangs out uh, at the house and cuts my grass. Man, man, the other day I was like, I had to build this thing, and he, I was like, I don't know how to build this thing, and he's like, oh, I can build a thing, let me come build a thing. So he just comes and builds a thing, and I want to give it, he don't even take it. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard stories of, of the, the, he just does good all the time. I mean, he's crazy as whatever, but he, he does good all the time. What he believes is nuts, but he, he's good. That's how we should be described, church. That's what, that's what it should look like for us. Zealous for good works. 
And so, so, so we as the church, we as the body of Christ, because of this hope that we have, that, that's what drives us. That's the force behind all that we do, this, this hope, this hope of, of Jesus Christ and what he's done and accomplished by being, by being born, by living a perfect life, going to the cross. Because of that hope, as a result of that, that this is what we should be about. This is what we should be doing. We should just be doing good in our world. Anything and everything. All, it should all be based upon his, his great name and his glory. And so our heart and our desire should be in any circumstance, situation. I mean, how, how can I do good here? What act can I do? What sacrificial thing can happen? How can I give of to do good and bring glory to God? So, so as we close this morning and the band comes back up, here are some takeaways I want us to have. Here are some things that I want to point our attention to again is this, and for us not to forget, for us to walk away and remember this. The way that we, as followers of Jesus, define hope is different than the world. The, the way that we, as believers in Christ, define hope is much, much different than the world. Remember, worldly hope is based on feelings and desires, but godly hope is based on the never-changing uh, promise and truth of God. There is certainty in our hope. We know who Jesus is and what he has done and why he came. He came as God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, no sin, no rebellion, none of that. And as a result, goes to the cross and dies for us. That's where our hope is found, is in Christ. The second thing that we need to take away is this, is, is that our hope is found in Jesus. Jesus is it. He was born as a baby God in the flesh. And the question I would ask you is this, have you found that hope? Have you experienced that hope? Do you know that hope? Maybe a better way to ask it, do you know someone who doesn't know that hope? Man, that we have the opportunity to share that hope, to tell of that hope, to live out that hope, to proclaim that hope. That, that's the greatest time about this season. Pe people listen to us. People will tolerate us. Man, how much more will they tolerate us if we do good for them? And you know what happens in that good? It starts to soften their heart. It starts to chip away. As we do that, it gives opportunity to have conversation with but what I know is this, is that you can't share hope if you don't have hope. I, I could not give my sister in that closet that day not one ounce of hope. None. I had exhausted it at everything that I possibly could do. And, and it wasn't until we started to cry out for mom to come help us and rescue us and, and unlock the door. And, and, and that's what salvation is. I mean, you can try your best, your darndest to do whatever, and you can knuckle down and you can uh, uh, just whatever you have to try to do. But that's not where hope is found. Hope is not found in you or your desire or your longings or your, uh, or your emotions. It's found in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And then the last thing there is the purpose of our hope. The purpose of our hope. Women have nothing to do with worldly desires and be passionate for living out and doing good works all for what? The glory of God. Man, I, I just pray this season for us is one of those, I mean, we've got an opportunity to do something good. I'm going to step in. I guess it would be like one of those, no, I'm, I'm doing it. You stay there. Hey, I heard about this. Well, what is I'm in? I haven't even told you yet. Why, is it good? Is it doing good work? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, doing, I'm a good worker, dude. I want to do good works. Why? Because Christ is in me. I found that hope. My hope is in him. And man, it, all I know is what he's done in me is causing me to want, I, 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 want to do, I just want to do good. I want to share good. I want to spread good. I want to, I want to act in a way. Like, like what's the need? I'm, I'm in. What, 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 how can I serve? I'm I'm in. You, you need what? How much? You need what? How much? Okay, yeah. How, how about I give a little bit more? How do you, you see me for this? No, what if, what if I can go longer? Like I, I just want 
to do good and spread the name and glory of Jesus. See, church, Jesus being born came on a rescue mission to set the captive free from what? From, from sin and create in his people a passion for a life of good works that bring glory to his great name. To his great name. That's where our hope is found is in him. And as a result of that, we share that hope. We act in that hope. We take that hope to a world that is hopeless. And that's what I love right here. Look, look at verse 15. Look at this real fast. And it says, declare these things. What things? The things that, that Paul just told Titus. Declare them. Make them known. From the rooftop. Let, let, let's just scream it. Let's live it out. Let's share it. Let's tell people. Declare these things. It's not just like, say, like, like, like I'm making a declaration. Church, are you with me? Let's do, let's do this. Live this way. Man, my hope is in Christ and Christ alone. I've been called to renounce the world, to give it up. I've abandoned that lifestyle, that way of living, that way of thinking, that way of being. And now I'm doing this. I'm living godly life. I'm asking God to break my heart over sin. I'm asking God to stir in me to, to do something for him. Church, we've got to do something. We've got to get off of our blessed hope, and we need to live out Jesus. Man, we live in a day and an age where this world is, the old saying, going to hell in a handbasket. And what's sad is, it's like, we the church, we don't care. We don't give a rip. You know how I know we don't give a rip? Because who have you told about Jesus this week? Who have you done good, good to this week? Who have you cared for this week? Who have you sacrificed for this week? Who have you given till it hurt for this week? Who have you loved enough to tell about Jesus this week? Not some dude in a hat and a big belly that comes down our chimney to give presents. But man, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that can actually do something in someone's life. Paul tells Titus, declare these things. Exhort, rebuke, what with all authority? What is the authority that's found in Christ? And let no one disregard you. Who cares what they say and how crazy they think we are? Because all I know is this, listen to me. The more you live for Jesus, the crazier they think you're going to be. The, the more they're going to make fun of you, the more they're going to exclude you. And, and if you're not okay and ready for that, then, then you don't need to be in Jesus. Because I believe he's tired of the closet Christian thing. I mean, we are living in a day and age that is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. Is that not right, what the scripture says? But what, the workers are what? Few. They're not there. It's not happening. It didn't happen in that day. And the same thing is happening. We, we sit on our blessed assurance and we get complacent and comfortable. And we don't go. We don't share. We don't live this way. Well, what, what will they say? Or what will they say? Who gives a rip? Man, our hope is found in this. Our life is forever altered and changed. Eternal type stuff. Our hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. And we've got to tell the Lord, declare these things. Father, help us this morning. Whatever you said in this place to do, I just pray you would. Father, may we never forget where our hope comes from. Our hope is rooted in the truth and the reality of who you are. What you've accomplished and what you've done. And Father, you, Jesus Christ, is our hope and that purpose. You've given us purpose within that hope to live a life, to proclaim a life, to declare who you are and who we belong to. So Father, do work in this place. If you awaken hearts, save souls, set a fire in our heart and in us so great that we can't be silent, we can't be stopped. For your glory, for your honor, help us do good, live you out. In name we pray. Hey man, if you stay in the band's going to lead us this morning. If you want to come pray, if you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, we'll be here. You just be obedient to the Lord in this moment.